Welcome to This Week of Common Sense, starring Paul Jacob. My name is Timothy Verkula. I'm here to help Paul run through the big stories of the week as they've appeared on thisiscommonsense.org. So, Paul, what are the big stories of the week? I want to talk about Ground Zero, and then I want to talk about your favorite guy, a, a, a person that you just just hang on his every word, his every utterance, have the utmost respect for. Uh, oh, I can't load it up anymore. Uh, Anthony Fauci. Uh, <laughs> the color, the camera needs to go to you. The color just drained from, from Tim's face as the name was uttered. Men I want to send to The Hague for crimes against humanity. Well, and we may get in it backwards because, because you know, I mentioned the name and then off we go. But uh, we had two scripts this week. The expert deplatformed, which mentioned Fauci, uh, but also uh, talked about the fact that uh, Dr. Malone was, uh, was deplatformed and, uh, you know, quite the expert on... MD, MRDA uh, vaccines and and someone who's vaccinated and but who still scientifically wants to ask questions and was kicked off Twitter so that those questions can't be asked so that our our whole look at science history every subject under the sun is now Really, we just listen to what the king, I mean, the federal government, or in some cases, the World Health Organization has to say, and then we just don't deviate from that. We, we can say lots of stuff as long as we adhere to their ultimate decision-making power over what is true, and we salute that. And it's, it's going to kill a lot of people. You know, most people and even in wars are dying of diseases throughout history. We have reached a level that's astounding in terms of medical science. And yet we have reached such a level of political stupidity when it comes to medical science and everything else that it's, it's like we want to reenter a dark age. And, and that's that's what this is all about, Tim. I, don't you think that in essence... You know, it's like you, you, everything gets hyped these days and you, you want to hype, you know, as big as you can, but this is sort of about, Hey, should we, should we go back to the dark ages? Should we enter a time in which all knowledge is held in a few hands and, and everything is opaque to the average person? Yeah, that is the point. Uh, and Rand Paul made it pretty well this, uh, last week when he, uh, interviewed, so to speak, uh, Anthony Fauci. Uh, he began his uh, his uh, questioning with a discussion of centralizing uh, medicine and how dangerous that is. And he didn't make the point that I think that I would make in lead of that is that normally doctors practice medicine when they deal with a new disease coming up on everybody fast. And they start trying things and they start talking to each other and they're uh, they're trying this drug and that drug and these vitamins and those injections and even pepsid ac and inhalers that use for asthma they try all that stuff and some of them actually turn out to work really well some of these treatments especially in the early stages of the disease but because they've centralized uh medicine and medical response to covid 
in the federal government and in banking everything on their vaccine push, they've suppressed and literally suppressed information and suppressed the normal doctoring that doctors do, right? The normal right. everyday practice of medicine. And that may have killed millions of people. The, 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 the number of people who died, half of it or more may be because governments have suppressed normal practice of medicine. This, this is such a great point. And to, and to kind of personalize it and make it small, I've talked to several friends who are doctors and nurses about COVID. And I so value the information I've gotten because I have noticed that it has always been tied with how much they don't know and a respect for what they don't know. And then I juxtapose that with what comes out of that infernal television machine and, and Dr. Fauci and all the other you know, CDC officials and the World Health Organization officials and all the people who do consensus politics science. And they're brilliant. They know it all. They, and, and the day that they change from saying that, you know, you shouldn't wear a mask, that you should, it's the same cocksure attitude. And it's, you know, it's just disastrous. And, you know, the we've we've covered numerous Rand Paul versus Fauci, you know, uh, dust ups on that Senate committee. And on Friday, COVID uh, cover up criminal. Uh, we cover it again uh, because it happened this week. And, you know, I think there is there there's basic information that I, I would hope anyone listening to this podcast and and reading common sense Monday through Friday we have a commentary short 250 300 words each each day uh, at this is commonsense.org but if you're reading it we covered the lab leak uh, possibility in June of 2020 uh, we have covered it extensively I don't know how many but I think it's in double digits the number of different scripts we've done about it and touched on it because it, it you know the lab leak and and uh, gain of function and all of this different stuff well here here's another element that I wanted to get out which is the gain of function debate now it's been that Rand Paul didn't know what he was talking about and then a number of <laughs> people with, with you know, knowledge in this field said, oh, wait a second, I think he actually does know what he's talking about. And it's Fauci, the, the nation's highest paid bureaucrat and, uh, and, and an expert in this field who doesn't know what he's talking about. But the gain of function, the idea that you would um, do different uh, experiments and different processes in the laboratory to see if you could get a virus to be able to gain additional functions it doesn't have, hence gain of function. It's clear that that happened. And Paul continually went to Fauci saying, admit that this is what's going on here. It has now come out. It came out months ago, although if you read stories, which I do in the Washington Post about this issue, they don't seem to acknowledge it, but it came out months ago. The NIH came out and said, oh, we discovered there was gain-of-function research going on. In fact, uh, they say that they basically said we're not 
funding that anymore, shut that down, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, and of course, they haven't disclosed every, every note they made, but we are seeing some of their notes. And of course, there was the Pentagon, uh, DARPA, and you probably know what the acronym, acronym, acronym means. I can't remember anymore, but it's, it's defense and it uh, uh, does research and stuff. Do you remember it off the top of your head, Tim? The Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA. They're the people who have <laughs> patents, you know, up the wazoo, including for UFOs, uh, the triangle UFOs. We should mention that, that they have patents for things that look like we, things that we don't understand that we see in the sky and are reported on regularly. And yes. so that's all very interesting. Uh, and DARPA, you know, it has a, there's a lot of people who are really afraid of DARPA. But DARPA, said that no to Echo Health Alliance when they wanted to do some yes. fiddly stuff in Wuhan. And they says, we can't do that. It's that's that's against the rules and it and it sounds dangerous. <laughs> yes. Well and 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 we detail you, you've got to go read COVID cover up criminal um because there are links to other stories and, and one of them is that uh, the Chinese were talking about uh, doing releases of, of the virus and in and getting it into bats with the idea that that would somehow prevent the bats from from getting the disease into humans. Um, we're not alleging and these stories haven't alleged uh, that this is some bioweapon designed to kill millions of people. They have, though, clearly found that the Chinese government and it is clear the U.S. government were engaged in gain-of-function research and were contemplating actions with the gain-of-function research that it sure seems to me like there ought to be a referendum <laughs> before you, before you, you know, secretly giving people medicines, even if they're good for them, that's not your decision. And, and it's like, again, we, we have to go back to like uh, the Magna Carta or something. It's like, what the, what the heck, where did anyone get the idea that the government should be contemplating things like this? And, and with, without the, uh, uh, also the idea that we would, of course, get consent. And my view is throwing, uh, you know, souped up gain-of-function uh, viruses at people, I don't know that there's a majority high enough that you can do that. In a, in a sensible democratic system. And of course, as we sometimes discuss, when I say democratic system, I'm talking about human rights. Democracy without any human rights, that's not, nobody's out there, well, I shouldn't say nobody, nobody with a brain in their head is out there talking about democracy without it dovetailing and being with human rights, minority rights, individual rights. Anyway, it's, it's, uh, these are the types of things that are going on behind the scenes. And yet, as we have covered at thisiscommonsense.org, and somehow some of the major newspapers in the country have done a really rotten job compared to us, they have censored the news about the lab leak. They have, the, the media has, and the social media has done everything in their power to, to play into Fauci's cover-up, because what we're talking about is, and this has been out there at one level or, uh, or another, but we just keep getting more information that drives the wedge 
deeper and deeper into the ground. Let me interrupt you here, Paul. We've had a technical difficulty, but let's take the opportunity to do a station identification. This is This Week in Common Sense. You're Paul Jacob. My name is Timothy Averkula. We're talking about what you wrote on Friday, January 14th, 2022, COVID cover-up criminal. And you're suggesting that uh, Fauci is the criminal who's covered up some crimes. And that we knew, we've known from different things in the media that he was part of a cover-up. Um, and, and I say cover-up, at first what we knew is he was sending emails back and forth talking about it. And there was talk right off the bat that this looked like it could have been man-made, that this could have come from a lab. And, and as we've gotten more information, at first it looked like, well, certainly Fauci is talking with people like Peter Daszak, uh, Daznak, Dazak, uh, who uh, who is with Echo Health Alliance and who has been pushing the gain of function and so on, and they're looking. And he was the guy we did numerous, you know, just just go search at thisiscommonsense.org. He comes up a lot because this guy was with Echo Health Alliance, which is the group that got money from the federal government that then gave that money from NIH, uh, NIAH or whatever, all the, the Fauci's groups and others, uh, and, and basically gave that money to the Wuhan lab. He's been pushing gain of function. He's the one that uh, DARPA said, no, 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 we don't wanna do that. So, you know, it, it, all the things fit in place, but this guy was also the guy who's talking to Fauci and the guy who put the letter in the Lancet, one of, well, the world's probably preeminent journal of medicine that was full of crap. And that said he had no, no self-interest, no contrary interest to just the public interest in the letter. And so, and, and is basically dumping on the idea that there's a lab leak. And, and he also was part of the group that went to China to study it and pretended that, oh, uh, it's extremely unlikely that there's a lab leak after our investigation. Well, there was a, their investigation was led like a bunch of tourists to the Wuhan lab and, and to be given a speech for 20 or 30 minutes. It, it's like they did no investigation whatsoever. Um, Daszak is the American representative on that investigation. It gets worse. Facebook, Facebook needs somebody to tell it when they need to slam somebody's words down and stop them from talking. When someone, doctor, is it saying the right thing? Stop that post, kill that post, kill that word. Don't let that guy speak. They need to know who to slam and who to say, oh, you're free to speak on our platform. It, it is America after all. That guy is Daszak. That's, it's like, this guy is the worst penny ever. And he's everywhere in this story. So this is what initially, I mean, after the, the second or third time that he pops up, it's like, what the heck's going on? So the more we find out what, what we have found out more recently is that, that we got more emails, more information, that, that Fauci is more engaged in these conversations and in how we stop this, how we shut this down. 
And that's not really the job of a, of a government bureaucrat. Uh, it's not the job of someone who's sitting on top of the, of the health organizations, the medical organizations in the, in the US government. It seems to me that if it's, a, if it's wrong, well, then you release the information. It, what do you do when you have a horrible pandemic? You give the public as much information as possible. You be as honest as possible because you have to be trustworthy so that there's the maximum opportunity that they're going to avail themselves to the best information available. That's what you do. And if someone suggests something that you think is wrong, you, you come out and you say, hey, here's what is, here's what they're saying, here's why I think that's wrong. That's not what they did. Right. This whole thing from the beginning has been they're playing something and what precisely and why precisely we don't know, though we know a lot of money's being made and we know a lot of power is being obtained. But we, we don't know is that a lot of good has been done. The response, that was one of the things that Rand Paul was saying. Surely you can't say this is a good response. And and we're going to blame Donald Trump and he deserves a certain amount of Trump, uh, a certain amount of, of blame. Uh and we're going to blame Joe Biden, and he deserves a certain amount of blame. But Fauci is the continual guy, and 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 part of what I blame Donald Trump for is spending too much time listening to Anthony Fauci. And and I have to say, I I know I have a lot of friends who who didn't like Fauci before this ever happened. Uh, who you know, I mean, he's he's been controversial on different issues. And you know you can understand people are going to disagree about these things, but I didn't go into it with some anti-Fauci uh, uh, attitude. In fact, I had several people go, "Boy, you're awfully nice to Fauci," you know, on on early things that that I had written, and um, and and of course one of the first things that we did on on this subject as it first broke as a pan we're, you know, worldwide uh, contagion. Uh, was that, look, this is a new thing and that we ought to be as forgiving as we can be for any honest mistakes that political leaders make. The problem is throughout this whole thing, the best thing would have been present information and, and let people be free to, to do what they do best. Instead, it was hide information and spin things and lie to the public and mandate that they do certain things. And it's just, it's been a huge failure. And, and people wanna blame the people who didn't wear masks, okay? They wanna blame the unvaccinated, but the people at the top of this had a, had a strategy that they have to admit did not work. And of course, the, what's the solution to that? We need to double down and probably spend more money. And you might speak to this, there, there's all kinds of things that, I mean, there's lots of ways for money to be made in this. I mean, the, the pharmaceutical companies are doing great. Um, and, and there's all kinds, there could be all kinds of corruption behind it. But I have not alleged corruption behind it in, in the economic sense of that. What, what I think is so obvious here and is horrifying is that you have big government science that is caught lying 
hiding, uh, and and you have a big media that's there with them helping, <laughs> and you have big social media that's playing goalie on any pipsqueak American who might have a better idea or just disagree or just question, including huge medical experts. I mean, it's not, they're not throwing, you know, your, your no good uncle uh, who's in the basement in his underwear posting something on, on Facebook. That's not who's getting deplatformed. It's, I mean, he might be too. And, and, and the truth is whether he's wearing long pants or not, um, he has a right to speak too, just, just for the record. I'm, I'm in favor of your no good uncle in the basement in his, uh, in his underwear having a right to speak too. But they're deplatforming medical experts that nobody can deny. That's, that is, that's not trying to fight some sort of evil. That is, we don't want to have to debate anymore. We want to tell you what is and tell you what to do and you do it. Now, there are different kinds of corruption, which we've talked about before, as, as we all know. I mean, there's the ideological corruption, which is obviously here big, is when you basically, you can't think your way that's not involved in vast transfer payments. If, if, it, doesn't in, if it doesn't involve government and big business partnerships, then you can't conceive of a response. It, n nothing makes sense to you. And that's corruption on that level because that's obviously a, a nuts idea. That's not the only way human beings make responses to crises. And so if all you can think of is that we've got to do something through this set of outlets, this set of procedures, the government, then I consider that a kind of corruption. But in this case, you know, the big pharma companies, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, and now Moderna, which never made a profit until until this crisis, uh, we should remember that they've always been just a research outfit working on a project with DARPA. Uh, so it's all very interesting. Uh, what to say about all that, I don't know, except that we do know that Big Pharma, the major advertiser at Fox, the major advertiser at CNN, the major advertiser in most of the news outlets, and most of the papers is Big Pharma companies. We know that one of the biggest funders of uh, political campaigns is Big Pharma. In fact, several senators are referred to as Big Pharma's biggest assets and things like that. Right, we, we, right. we know that. So that's a little bit corrupt, if you ask me. Uh, and we know that politicians and insiders are really big on uh, investing in stock in Pfizer and other companies. We know that Bill Gates has right. proclaimed himself to have made many more billions of dollars this last two years than you know, on his medical investments than ever before. So we know all that. That sounds like these are people who have a financial interest in a political outcome rather than a medical outcome, right? So that makes it harder to not make a corruption charge. But a lot of this stuff just seems creepy on the face of it, you know. Yes. Governors making decisions about who may not engage in commerce and you begin to wonder well what is their authority often they don't have it very well and also is that the sign of somebody who's uh acting in the best interest of the people who voted them in or the best interests of their fear are they afraid of being held responsible for a number of deaths and then they panic so, I mean, all that stuff, where the corruption is and where it isn't, that may not be as important as the specifics of every one of the charges. 
it's power that they should not have and it's and and you can see the destruction that they can cause and we get angry about it but it, you also have to look at the fact that when a government official has that sort of power that's worth money and there are going to be people who want to do something good for you so that their business might be one of the ones who can open and and so so often it's you know how do we how do we structure government to stop that that private interest that special interest and of course what we see again and again is that oftentimes that private interest isn't really engaged in government much at all until government takes an interest in that private interest and and i say that because you know walmart for years uh, uh microsoft for years did not do much lobbying until they began to be attacked politically and then had to lobby. Uh, I believe it was Microsoft spent something like $47,000 lobbying in Washington before the Justice Department <clears throat> decided that maybe they wanted to split the company up. And then they started spending over, over a million. I think the next year is 1.4. You know, that's back when that was a lot of money. That was years ago. Uh, anyway, it's a, it, we see this again and again. And so giving that sort of power is, is insane. And people in a, you know, we, we just had a, a pandemic. We're still sort of in it, although I think, you know, this Omicron is, uh, is uh, a good thing that will help it become, you know, endemic. And, uh, and, but as we get out of it, we have to look at, well, where did people flip out? Because there is this view among a lot of people that, hey, when things are really bad, if there's a, you know, a war or a pandemic or, a, you know, a tornado or something, well, then government can do whatever it wants. And that that idea needs to be nipped in the bud. Yeah, but it's a shoot now, I think. You wrote three other pieces this week. Uh, did you want to talk about any of those at any length? I want to talk about all three of them together um, at, a, at, at, at a brief length. And that is uh, the first one was reform from ground zero. Uh, uh, and, and all three of these, the second one, sore losers lumped, and then the other big lie, all of them deal with election integrity issues. And Brad Raffensperger, who is the Secretary of State in Georgia, and who, after the election, certified the results, and when Trump called and said, hey, there's, you know, could you, all I need you to do is find 11,000, you know, some odd votes, um, he said, you know, the votes are the votes and and we've counted them and here's what they are uh and and i i have friends who have have, have different things that they'll argue uh, you know in, in georgia who who are closer to it who don't like this that raffensperger did or that but it, from my you know uh 30, foot look at it it seems to me that he's someone who bucked his own party who did what he thought was the right thing uh, and he's invited so often to be on the progressive cable news channels. And I liked that he was on Face the Nation. And he said what he had to say. And I don't think they particularly liked it. I think they thought, here's, a, here's someone who can come bash the Republicans. But he did more than bash the Republicans. Um, Monday, Reform from Ground Zero, I talked about his proposal He's pushed from years ago 
in Georgia, he's pushed for citizen only voting, that the fact that only citizens should vote at all levels, even at the local level, if you want to vote, we welcome you into the into the country, into the into our society. Just join, just join. And and, you know, you hear different stories about how tough it is. Maybe we need to make it easier, but there needs to be a process whereby you join, just like you don't vote at the church if you're not a member of the church you don't come over for dinner to somebody else's house and then vote on what their family budget's going to be that year um you know that's just the way uh most americans think it should be and look if, if people disagree let's vote on it that's and that's what raffensperger has been saying this belongs in the state constitution he believes it belongs in the federal constitution and I'm, I'm a little less sanguine about putting it in the federal constitution. I like the laboratories of democracy, but he's been pushing to put it in the state constitution. It's something that, that I support, groups I work with support. <clears throat> and he mentioned several other sensible changes, which of course are not the changes that are being suggested in Congress and that the entire media is behind. And this, what we just talked about the media going to bat for Fauci and for the for the government line on the pandemic. Well, the media has gone to bat for the government line on voting rights legislation in Washington. I wouldn't call what the Democrats have put up. I mean, it has great names for the People Act, the John Lewis Act, which is about seven times as big as it was when John Lewis was still alive, actually writing it. Uh, and, and what they're talking about is partisan, make the FEC partisan so that Biden can appoint another FEC commissioner and then control who speaks and how they speak in a way that the FEC has never been able to do. People think of the FEC and they say, oh, it's, it doesn't have any teeth. Well, it was designed not to have any teeth. And that's stupid. I'd like to get rid of it altogether. Uh, it serves no purpose, uh, but it's better that it be toothless than that it have sharp teeth because its whole goal is to police speech. And we don't need a policeman out there saying who can say what and, and can't say what. And then after the election is over, uh, two years later, the courts go, oops, well, yeah, you violated that person's right to speak. Anyway, the... Uh, these bills, and they do all kinds of other things. One of the things they do, uh, which we talked about Wednesday and the other big lie, you know, they keep talking about, uh, uh, you know, we're for all kinds of reforms, including their for photo ID. One of the things the Democrats' bills would do is to preempt all the voter ID laws in the country into one federal standard. And the federal standard has one interesting aspect. There's one interesting aspect of the federal photo ID standard. You don't have to have a photo ID. That's how they solve the problem. That's how they make the, the uh, you know, whether it's this state's photo ID law or that state's photo ID law, the way they make it better is to make it to where there's still a photo ID law but you don't need a photo ID anymore. You can just sign something, you can show a utility bill, you can, and, and, and look, if you wanna argue, we don't need voter ID laws, then argue that. 
you're going to find out that about 75% of the country thinks that we do, including a lot of people who voted for Biden, including, a, uh, I, I just saw a poll that was released this week in Michigan, where progressives were in favor of uh, uh, voter ID by a, it, they weren't quite at 50%, it was 49% to like 20%. With, with a lot of undecided, but a plurality of, uh, a big plurality of progressive voters favor voter ID. Now, this is the same thing that for years we've been told is a racist suppression. It's a terrible thing. How could anybody think of this? And then some polls come out and all of a sudden we realize, oh, well, uh, it, it may be racist in some, <laughs> you know, white uh, Democrats mind, but 80% of black voters want voter ID um, and Democrats favor voter ID. Uh, and, and why does, why, you know, I, I'm pretty engaged in politics. And I thought that I was shocked by the polls that came out. Why was I shocked? I was shocked because the media told me over and over and over and over again that this was racist that it was voter, voter suppression, that only you know, white supremacists <laughs> could possibly think that made sense. It turns out almost everybody thinks it makes sense. And the media was just lying. Is lying too strong a word? Spinning, tricking us? Why do we pay for any of those things? Uh, and, and the other thing that Brad Raffensperger did on that program, which I thought was so valuable, you know, when, when they talk about the big lie, it's Trump saying that the election was stolen. We've discussed this many times on this podcast. And, and, and basically the idea of fraud, you know, there's, I don't think there's evidence of fraud. There's evidence of illegal behavior in terms of government officials doing things wrong. And so it leaves open the door that, oh, they may have cheated here, or they may have done this here. Well, I'm not one to go with what may have, or, you know, when you're talking about an election, it has to end, and, and the judge has to go, okay, what's your evidence? Um, and so there were all kinds of irregular, uh, irregularities, but I'm completely disinterested. One, I don't like the way Trump behaved after the election. I think that, that elections, are, it's important and this is what Brad Raffensperger said. We have elections in which people are, are sore losers and don't concede that they lost. And he pointed to two people. He pointed to Donald Trump, who did it in 2020, and he pointed to Stacey Abrams, who did it two years earlier in 2018. And of course, Hillary did it in 2016, but oh, who's counting that? But but Stacey Abrams never conceded, said that it was voter suppression that caused her to lose. Um, I mean, basically made all of these same charges and was lionized in the press, was applauded, was a hero, should have got the Nobel Peace Prize. And Raffensperger makes that point. And, and just to see the, the uh, CBS host uh, I think it's Margaret Brennan, uh, just, just apoplectic that, that you would compare that. Oh, my goodness. Clearly, you can't say that those are the same. And Raffensperger, again, says, 
Well, no, uh, you know, the president obviously has more positional power uh, than someone who's not an elected official who's running for office, but then comes right back and says, but the, the fact of the matter is we need public officials who are good, decent people and who, if they can test it, they can test it. And it's very clear. Here's the, here's the case. I'm going to court, but don't run around years after the election saying it was robbed. I was stolen. It was, it, you know, it, it's tough because for years, there's been all this, there's no fraud. And of course, there is fraud in elections. It's not, I don't think it's pervasive in the, in, that most elections are decided by fraud. I think it's very rare, if ever, that an election is decided by fraud. But there's been this complete, again, the media narrative is there's no fraud. And so they, they don't want to cover any of it. And what does that do? It actually heightens people's concern about fraud in the same way that when they know you're lying to them about, you know, the, the, my biggest concern about the vaccine is that they won't tell me the truth about it. That's what, you know, I, I didn't walk into it and, and I'm vaccinated. Um, but sort of. I, you don't have all the boosters. I, I didn't get the latest booster and I'm not looking for the latest booster. I've had COVID. I had the vaccine. I'm just letting it ride. You know, it's like. And you but, did have the other order, by the way, too. You had the vaccine and then you had COVID. No, I had COVID and then the vaccine. Oh, did you? That's why I didn't get, you know, uh, my wife got the vaccine real quick. My, my daughters are, oh, dad, you've got to get the vaccine, you know. And, uh, and it was like, I'm, I'm in no hurry because I've, I've got the antibodies. And I was, and, and even though they've always, they've always acted like the vaccine, if we don't know, then the vaccine must work. If we don't know about the natural antibodies, well, they can't be very good somehow. I mean, it's, it's always seemed has been the attitude has been to dump on natural antibodies and act like the vaccine's the only way that you'll be perfectly safe. And, and that's turning out to be complete crap. Um, but that's why I delayed. But, but my biggest concern, it wasn't like I'm, I've never been kind of anti-vaccine on anything. I'm not, not, you know, I like to be careful medicine wise. I don't run to the doctor all the time. I'm not looking to put stuff in my body. But my main thing was, I just didn't trust that I would, that if there was problems, were problems with the vaccine, they wouldn't tell me about it. And that's, that's my biggest concern. Well, and it's obviously true. They, they don't ever talk about uh, the virus system in public. They don't cover uh, heart attacks on the soccer fields by major players right after they've had the vaccines. They don't cover these, these things. And it may be that none of these things that, that you know, that, that's in context, it's not the, it's not as bad as it sounds. Right, right. But I'd like to see some coverage and they don't cover it. Not just simply because and, they're liars by nature. Uh, I mean, they're propagandists. I mean, that's what they are. You're right about that. But, but one of the interesting things is their, their argument might be, maybe not publicly, but maybe at their, at their cocktail party is that, well, you know, if we, if we were publicizing the rare case where something happens and someone dies, it would scare everybody to death. But I remember when they took J&J uh, &J off, the, off the market briefly because they were having some of those problems, blood clots and so on. 
and the the rate, the percentage of people who were having those problems was much less than all kinds of, of medications that people take all the time. So the science behind pulling it off the market was actually maybe a little faulty, but the result was public support and confidence in the vaccines went way up, which is what I had been, that's why I remember it, because it confirmed my, my uh, you know, arguments. It, that people, when they feel like you're telling them the truth, will listen to what you say. And we've had, we've had people who kind of right off the bat start lying to us and it creates a horrible situation. It means all the, all the research that we've paid for, you know, these guys, look, I, I salute their brilliance, but you and I and everybody listening has paid every cent of what's created this. So they can thank us too. Now, where's our info? But if you give us that info, as a dictator and as someone who clearly will lie at any time that it serves your own interest, that information all of a sudden is worthless because we can't trust it. One of the things I've never heard on the news when they bring up voting fraud, electoral fraud, is an obvious, you might say, praxeological, probabilistic expectation about when it would occur. It would be most likely to occur in a district with very narrow margins and in elections where there's very little difference between the candidates or the yes and no vote on a, on a measure, there'd be no reason to do it in a majority Republican or a majority Democratic district. So, of course, since most districts are one way or the other, fraud is not common. Why? Because it's, there's no reason to do it. It's not like, likely to succeed. However, in a narrow margin district, then we can expect people to be incentivized to engage in fraud. Now, that is, to me, the most obvious thing one can say about vote fraud. I've never heard a, anyone on television or the news or in a newspaper ever mention that obvious thing. Now, does that mean it's happening in every uh, narrow election? No, I doubt if it's happening in everyone much. But the question is, why can't an obvious truth about reality be mentioned by the people who are the arbiters of reality. If we hear that, we may favor things like photo ID that they don't like. We may be more concerned about non-citizen voting different places. In other words, it's the same what they're doing on election integrity issues and voting rights. Voting rights is what they favor. You know, every in in states that have more early voting uh, that are Republican, well, that's suppressive. In and yet in their state of you know a lot of these folks in New York, they have less, but that's fine. That's perfectly you know it it's ridiculous the way that they that they have a completely um, narrative way of covering this. And so we're getting the same sort of disinformation and spin that that we get on on the medical stuff. And that's that's what I, th I thought was kind of interesting and in looking, you know, before we do these podcasts, I kind of look over, you know, what what's you know, what, what do we talk about this week and how does it fit together? And that's the interesting thing is that these are two, you know, the pandemic and election integrity 
um, you know, although the pandemic caused some of the things that are now being reacted to. And that's the other thing. You know, uh, during the pandemic, they went to 24-hour drive-through voting in Houston, Texas. Well, the legislature afterwards said, no, we're not doing 24-hour drive-through voting anymore. Oh, my God, this is, you are taking away people's right to vote. And it's, you know, look, there are all kinds of ways to vote. You can vote absentee, you could, where you don't have to drive anywhere, just stick it in the post box. You know, it's, uh, this is, and the water, the water, it's, it's, uh, oh, they've made it illegal to give people water in line. Well, that's not what actually happened. What happened is they said that campaigns can't go give water and food to people in line in the same way that you don't get to go, uh, you know, tell people in line, hey, here's why you should vote for leave the people in line alone. No one's going to be arrested who takes their spouse or to their brother or their friend a bottle of water in line. Unless you work for one of the campaigns that is in that election. And then you know what? Someone is going to go, buddy, you can't do that. It's against the law. Now, we can argue whether that's a good law or a bad law, but that's not what we've done. And the reason the American people, you could say, oh, well, the American people are just so dumb, they don't know. The reason they haven't argued that is because no one tells them that that's what's going on. Everyone has told them. I talk to people all the time. Well, the the, the Democrats just want people to be able to vote. And the the Republicans in the states are trying to stop them. And it's like, well, what, what part of the Democratic legislation in Congress do you like? What provisions, you know, are there that you really like? Well, nobody could be against it. It just makes it easier to vote. Well, what? provisions. And it's like they don't know any of the provisions. And they certainly don't know any of the terrible provisions. They don't know that that uh, the original for the, uh, for the People Act meant that the public's going to start paying for campaigns. There's going to be public financing of congressional campaigns. Has anybody heard that? You know, that's not a terribly popular idea. And yet, we're, we're not going to know about it unless private interests go say something about it and we're going to be blocked at every step of the path in in the news media in social media welcome to america well that sounds like a happy note to end the podcast on though did you have any interest in talking about any of the uh i did i did uh you're you're good to remember because i forget uh Eco, who who you knew about, I never heard of him before, uh, but I, I immediately thought he was a smart guy because we had one of our thoughts this week was from him. And he says, not long ago, if you wanted to seize political power in a country, you had merely to control the army and the police. Today, it is only in the most backward countries that fascist generals in carrying out a coup d'etat still use tanks. Today, a country belongs to the person who controls communications. And of course, that's what we've been talking about on all five stories this week and on a lot of stories every week. Okay. So until next week, the place to go is thisiscommonsense.org. We have uh, the videos up on Rumble. SoundCloud hosts the audio 
And uh, but as always, this is commonsense.org is the place to go to find everything. Thank you. Okay. Then when you get a sequence of a virus and it looks like a relative of a known nasty pathogen, just like we did with SARS, we found other coronaviruses in bats, a whole host of them. Some of them looked very similar to SARS. So we sequenced the spike protein, the protein that attaches to cells. Then we, well, I didn't do this work, but my colleagues in China did the work. You create pseudoparticles, you, look, you insert the spike proteins from those viruses, see if they bind to human cells. And each step of this, you move closer and closer to this virus could really become pathogenic in people.